There's such potential for the future of Native journalism. And I think it's really important for Natives to get into journalism because we bring such a unique perspective to the table. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Co Primo. So Native Lights uh, is just a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Each week we have conversations with great guests. We've talked to politicians, healthcare workers, comedians, musicians, a lot of great people, and we're hearing about their gifts, how they realize those gifts, and how they are now sharing them with the community. That and a lot more. Absolutely. And today I'm excited to chat with a fellow Native media and content maker. So super excited for that. But first, Cole, what's new? <laughs> just a, a very small, big thing. No, just kidding. Um, I got engaged. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Pandemic engagement. I know, I know. But, you know, new year, you know, like... Fresh new start. So we uh, we have this walk that we go on near our place. Uh, it's right by Cedar Lake. There's a nice pond by Cedar Lake. And I once we were out there, I just, you know, kind of surprised her. And it was, it was, I forgot a lot of the stuff I was supposed to say, but it was fine. <laughs> I eventually, you know, remembered that stuff and said it later. But, you know, we got through it. It was good. good. She said she was Mary. surprised and very excited. So that's, that's good. Well, you got the important part out, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's cute. Did you mm. pick the ring out yourself? Yes, I did. Well, we had I had a little bit of consult work just ahead of time, but you know, out in the end, I had my own kind of decision. But she loves it, so there we go. Yay! Well, it's beautiful. Yeah. I saw the blurry picture, <laughs> and <laughs> it was gorgeous. You'll so. see it in pictures soon, or in, in reality soon. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, I will. <laughs> I hope to. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. <laughs> so moving on to today's conversation, creating content and sharing stories while uplifting Native voices is such a humbling honor. Uh, many folks do this. Uh, we know quite a few, and we've had them on the program, too. Some working in print, some working in radio. And guess what? Today, we have somebody who works on TV and multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. And we're always happy to share their stories, too. So we'll get to hear about our guest's journey with producing TV and documentaries. So I'm super excited for our conversation with today's guest, Ramona Morozas. Yeah, I can't wait to catch back up with her. We uh, worked together briefly at WCCO-TV a while back before she moved up to Duluth. Uh, she also encouraged me to get involved in this panel addressing journalism in Indian country. The experience was a first for me and uh, one I was pretty nervous for, but I, you know, I thank her for... No, you weren't <laughs> nervous at all. <laughs> but I, I definitely appreciate her you know, asking me and getting me involved in that. And that was in 2019 before the pandemic hit. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious what she's up to now. So very excited. 
Ramona Morosis is a citizen of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Indians and works in public television in Duluth. She's a multi-platform producer with over a decade of journalism experience. Ramona is also a former board member of the Native American Journalists Association. And she's also produced two documentaries. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but I, I really want to. The first one's called Missing and Murdered, An Invisible Epidemic. And the other is called Opioids, Crisis in the Northland. Both topics that hit really close to home. So without further uh, conversation from the two of us, <laughs> uh, let's welcome Ramona Morosas to the show. Buju, welcome, Ramona. Uju. Uju, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Ramona, could you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Hello, my name is Ramona Morosis. I grew up in Andover, Minnesota. I'm a proud member of the Bad River Band in Odana, Wisconsin. I attended the St. Cloud State University for, uh, Mass Communications Department and my grandmother really encouraged me to go into journalism. We were on, I tell this story a lot because it's a beautiful story. It's a very important story to my journalism journey. And we were on the beach of our reservation, the Bad River Reservation. It's on the tip of Lake Superior in Odana, Wisconsin. And we were getting our names from our family's uh, medicine man. And he came and to my point in the circle and named me Great White Cloud. And my grandmother said, aren't you curious why he named you that? And I said, yes. And she said, then ask him. And she pushed me towards him. And I asked him, why did you name me that? And he said, well, when we were going through each other member of your family's names, it was a clear blue sky. And when we got to your name, a feather cloud formed in the sky. And so that's how I got my name, Great White Cloud. And then um, as a native storyteller, you get to ask all the questions you want. And so the rest is history. Hey, that's great. Thanks for sharing. My pleasure. <laughs> I love so, that story, so I'll share it every time I can. Can you tell us a bit about your work at Native Report and the show itself? I am so glad you asked that. So Native Report is a nationally syndicated show in its 16th season. I'm working under senior producer Mike Lagarde, who's been with the show for 11 years. This is our first season distributing through NEDA, N-E-T-A. I recently learned myself that Native Report was founded in response to the Red Lake school shooting in a Native community. I didn't really know that myself. It was formed because so many um, stories were out there and being covered about tragedies in Native communities. So Native Report illuminates the positive and gives voice to Native leaders. And it expands the viewer's definitions of who Native people are. So there's not just one Native voice, it's diverse opinions and cultures tied together through, you know, different storytellers. And right now we actually are doing a big push to hire more Native storytellers. And that's something that I've gotten to do is I've been um, a big force in getting Native freelancers for our 16th season. So our aggressive search to 
continue hearing from Native storytellers is in full swing because I just think it's so important to have Native storytellers sharing Native stories. There's a certain um, trust that folks in the Native community have with other Natives telling their stories. There's been so many experiences of non-Native journalists and storytellers just parachuting in when tragedy strikes. And I think that, you know, there's been a big mistrust between Native communities and, you know, media outlets because of that. So any way that I can help kind of rebuild that trust again, I am really happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could talk about this with you all day long. <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar goals here with folks you're talking with so that's really awesome to hear i love to hear that you guys are awesome by the way oh stop (laughs) thank you well i didn't know that about native report that it was that it started um that it had its roots in the red lake shooting tragedy those years ago yeah yeah and then to have Hmm. something you know form from that that is all about reporting on the best of Indian country by promoting understanding between native and non-native cultures, offering a venue for the stories of challenge and success coming from tribal communities. It makes so much sense that that's how it was born. But I had, I, I recently learned that from senior producer Mike Lagarde. You're listening to Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're hearing from Ramona Morozas. Ramona is a journalist and multi-platform producer and a citizen of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Indians. And so in order to do the work you do, is there a way you prepared, like, um, educationally, uh, professionally, or anything like that, talking to community members, elders, anything like that? You know, as a young Native, there was so many journalism programs to try to get more Native Americans in newsrooms across the country. So my father um, drove me from Andover to South Dakota to the Crazy Horse Memorial for a journalism workshop. And that was really my, that was in 2008. I received Uh, I received a scholarship for, you know, attending school and furthering a journalism career. And then I attended the American Indian Journalism Institute, who also had a a mission of getting more natives in journalism. Unfortunately, that program is not in existence any longer today. Then I was a student with the Native American Journalist Association. Same mission, get more natives into the newsrooms across the country. I spent about seven years at KBJR in Duluth, Minnesota, a mainstream TV news station. And then in July, I started with Native Report. So the mission of Native Report is to illuminate the you know beauty of what's happening across Indian country from the lens of Native storytellers. And so to go from a mainstream newsroom where I, you know, really was a force in getting more Native stories into mainstream newscasts, now I get the opportunity and honor of working for a place that is everything Native. And I love it. I absolutely love it. What? 
<laughs> That's awesome. So can you tell me a bit about Opioids Crisis in the Northland, the documentary you worked on? Absolutely. So um, for that documentary, we interviewed dozens and dozens of folks from the medical industry to law enforcement to those personally impacted who have lost loved ones to the crisis. That was just super eye-opening. It was a television and digital product of WDSC, WRBT, that addresses many facets of the opioid epidemic in our region in order to encourage conversations and solutions around this devastating issue. It was a six-part mini-series, and it began with a look at the underlying causes of the epidemic through conversations with medical professionals, harm reduction specialists, lawmakers, and community specialists. It also um, really hit home for many folks because we spoke with a woman who had a child and the father of her baby actually um, passed away from an opioid epidemic before she even knew that she was pregnant with his child and she named her child Hope. And she did the interview while holding her baby. And I'll never forget that. And that young man's mother spoke with us and read paper that he had written to try to encourage others not to go down the path of opioids that have taken so many. So that was just an amazing experience to be able to illuminate you know, this huge issue. You know, we spoke with a harm reduction specialist who ran a clean needle exchange in Duluth. One of the most surprising parts of that documentary was I was, you know, I I just thought that me, you know, going into this, I was very curious to get like law, uh, the law enforcement and the medical industry's perspective on the clean needle exchange clinic. And they did share their perspectives on that. And it, it, it was inter- very interesting to learn. We also um, spoke with a law enforcement officer who had themselves administered Narcan on an individual and saved their life. So powerful stuff, pretty powerful stuff. And to get to, you know, co-produce a documentary to, uh, to that six parts like that 30 minutes each, 30 minutes each episode and speak with, you know, dozens and dozens of folks was a great opportunity. So the man who passed away had written a letter or had written something? Yeah, paper. Is- yes, it was a, I believe it was a college paper. And, you know, he had had his own um, journey of getting sober and then perhaps, you know, going back. But that paper that we included that the mother read aloud, Mm. you know, just to hear that, I know for a fact that somebody watching heard that and it saved someone's life. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. It was so powerful. I, I, that, that, that was the purpose of the documentary to start a conversation surrounding, you know, how to, help others and help yourself and really, you know, bring down the shame mm-hmm. and the stigma surrounding the opioid 
crisis because a lot of those who are struggling with addiction carry around a lot of you know shame and stig and the stigma of it can you tell us more about the missing and murdered indigenous women documentary you worked on when you were at the tv station in duluth kbjr yes so that documentary was super interesting to dive into i as the producer of that coordinated and set up all of the interviews that we had in that documentary and reached out personally to families who have either a missing or murdered relative from the Duluth area. And the people that I talked to, some of the family members were so shocked that I was even looking into their case because of the case of their loved one, because they, you know, felt that nobody cared. I was talking to family members who were crying their eyes out on the the phone just because I was asking for a picture of their loved one to use. Because we wanted to show faces to these cases. And a lot of my getting in touch with the families and the relatives was through social media because I would, you know, put a post out on Facebook and say, does anybody know how I can get in touch with the relatives of this woman who was murdered in this year. And then for one of the cases, it was my neighbor growing up who just messaged and said, oh, that that person's daughter is my friend. You know, I can connect you with them. And then they kind of had to talk them into talking to me a little bit and be like, no, she's good people. Like you can trust her. You can talk to her. And then, then I did a lot of um, communicating with law enforcement, too, to ask about the numbers. We reached out to the Minnesota BCA, the FBI, St. Louis County Sheriff, the Duluth Police Department. We had our intern reach out to every single Minnesota native band across Minnesota to ask them if they had been tracking their cases of missing and murdered Indigenous women and if they could provide us with that data for this special report. Um, some we, you know, with that, some did track it, some didn't, you know, some may have actually lost that information in the change of internal systems for tracking records of that such. And so that was really interesting as well. So we did, you know, put a lot of time into this and it just ended up being a beautiful, um, news special entitled Missing and Murdered and An Invisible Epidemic, shining light on the epidemic by sitting down with families impacted by the crisis and exploring the challenges faced by investigating authorities. A couple weeks here, it'll be the 14th of February, which is usually a big day for awareness, raising awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women and relatives. A lot of um, um, walks... Um, a lot of art being made and signs and uh, seeing the red dresses out um, around MMIW. So a couple more weeks for that. Yeah, I mean, if I can share, that Native report has been also diving into MMIW. And we attended a rally um, for justice for Jackie in Carleton, Minnesota, at the Carleton County Courthouse. Um, Jackie. Defoe, we talked 
to Tammy Solmi, her mother in a one-on-one interview. And she shared with us about the grief that she is experiencing now after, as we approach, approach in March, the one year mark of her daughter, her grandson and her daughter's unborn child being tragically murdered. And, oh gosh. Yeah, that piece just aired, right? It did. Yeah, I just, I saw it and it was really, really incredible, really moving. Um, You could see how much she loved or loves her child, her grandchild. And it's heartbreaking to know that they're now a part of this epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women and relatives. But it was so wonderful to see the community come together around her and support her. Uh, God, it's so hard to imagine the pain, um, but also seeing the love that's there too is um, really heartening. It absolutely is. And in that piece, um, Jackie's mother mentions um, Sheila St. Clair, another missing Native woman out of Duluth, which still is um, remains with a lot of questions to be answered to this day. And Stephanie St. Clair provided us with photos of her mother that hadn't been shared yet. And it's nice to see her mother in photos with her family holding her daughter as a baby. Um, The Duluth Police Department says if anybody has any tips or any information surrounding the disappearance of Sheila St. Clair to come forward with that information to them with anything you know, you know, I just can't stress that enough if you know anything. Mm. So it's an open case. Yeah, if yeah. you know if you know anything, if you've heard anything, please please go to the authorities with that information so that the family can have some questions answered hopefully at some point wow you're listening to native lights where indigenous voices shine native lights is produced by minnesota native news and ampers with support from the minnesota arts and cultural heritage fund today we're talking to ramona morosas ramona is a citizen of the bad river band of lake superior indians And she's a journalist and multi-platform producer. She currently works on the news program Native Report. This is a big question, but uh, what do you see, you know, as an opportunity in Native journalism? Mm. Or maybe uh, like a challenge, you know? I fear that young Native people won't go into the field of journalism. And I feel that Natives are some of the best storytellers in the country, the original storytellers of this nation. I want, I I just think that there's such potential for the future of Native journalism. And I think it's really important for Natives to get into journalism because we bring such a unique perspective to the table. So many people have come to me to ask me, for guidance, for to help set them up with inter- interviews. You know, as a native journalist, we're each such gems in the industry. And we and we all support each other because we all know that. We all know that there's such a lack of native storytellers in 
and how good, you know, how amazing of storytellers we are. So I just hope that these programs that paved the way for me to get into the industry stick around, such as the Native American Journalists Association and Feel the Crazy Horse Journalism Workshop. I just want young people to try it. You know, you might be unsure, but your voice matters and your voice is will bring great change, truly. And if it feels like it's not and it feels like you're not, you are. There's so many stories I did that, you know, I didn't think that that made a difference. And then somebody followed up with me a year later and told me it made a difference to them. So I don't know. It's, we just need more of us here because I think in a way, because of the uniqueness of Indian country as sovereign nations and for our treaties to continue, we need native journalists out there being a watchdog of our governmental agencies and of our government and of the leaders in native communities. You know, we need all of the eyes that we can have around to ensure that our sovereign and status and what all we have as native people remains for our future generations to come. And that is lying in the hands of young people. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is not a mistake in your audio. <laughs> Very, nice. Very cool. Well, Ramona, thank you so much for chatting with us. Yes, it was great having you. Thank you. <laughs> we look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. Yeah. And you as well. Thank you for giving people this platform. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We'll see you <laughs> okay, later. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye, miigwech. Yeah, Good to see you all, miigwech. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's just so much about what she said that I'm like, yeah, I I agree. <laughs> or, you know, when she talked about really being able to look the person you're talking to in their eyes and have an understanding, that is so significant. I remember, you know, going to some missing and murdered Indigenous women rallies and beforehand we'd have like um, a dance to honor uh, the families of loved ones. And, you know, when you know the protocols... And you can participate because you know it's happening. Um, it really helps you like be even that much more immersed in in the event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I I totally get it. Yeah, and I also have to give her props for you know being a multi-platform producer because right now and in in today's time, there's you know there's a lot of different types of journalism work that needs to be done and to have that multifaceted skill set to approach stories, you know, as far as audio, visual, and, you know, just to have those different attributes is great to have. And more and more people are 
are doing that, you know, to get into the journalism industry is to have all those different skills. So it was great. It was great hearing from her, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you again to Ramona Morozas. Ramona Morozas is a citizen of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Indians, and she's a journalist and multi-platform producer, and she currently works on the news program Native Report. And we just heard about her and her work sharing voices of Native folks. You can check out Native Report on the WDSE website at native.wdse.org. We'll also link that from the Minnesota Native News website, mnnativenews.org. That's mnnativenews.org. And we'll also put up there on our website the other documentaries that Ramona produced. Nice. So I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamen. Gigawabamen. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.